You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's the all-star break for the NHL. And I think it's the all-star break for us, too, because, Vardy, I plan on mailing this episode in in a big way. <laughs> How are you tonight on this fine all-star Saturday? I am good, Cardo. I am very good. Apparently, people don't know your name. This is a new revelation. So. Yeah, yeah. People uh, are—we I, I, got a few emails where— they're like, good job, Vardy and guy. <laughs> Vardy and company. <laughs> Apparently, I always refer to you by your name, and you just never refer to me by mine. And, and to be fair, mine is very – it's not very, but it's more difficult to pronounce than yours probably. Um, mine's not that, I mean, mine's like abbreviated. That's We're going is. by like the – anyway, Caro. Here we are. Here there we, we are. are. Yes, it's the it's All Star Saturday as we record. By the time you hear this, uh, the All Star Game is either going on or is in the history books. Mm-hmm. Historically, we have not been huge fans of this event. Uh, I shouldn't say that because when I was a kid, I loved it, loved it. Uh, but somewhere along the way, I think the players just stopped taking it seriously. So I stopped taking it seriously. I Something mean, to the point where they don't even show up, and then the league started. Giving them suspensions, and they were like, "Cool, one extra day for my vacation." Yeah, which is which is essentially what Ovechkin's doing right now. He's eating like dinosaur steaks in in Mexico, surrounded by mariachis and Tom Wilson. Very nice. It's the NHL equivalent of load management, I guess. Yeah, he's load. I mean, it is. It management. is interesting, right? Like you have Ovechkin and, and Crosby's not there either, right? Crosby sat it out, I believe. Well, yeah, well. He, I think he's just returning from injury, so yeah. He's going to take one on the chin, no problem for a sit. Yeah. So no Ovechkin, no Crosby, no Malkin, I don't think. Uh, McDavid is there. So that's nice. He's still young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once he hits 30, he's going to start taking some days for himself for sure. Yeah. Um, all-star lineups. Should we go even go through it? I mean, if you guys care. I mean, if you know him, you can, you can look him sure, up. Sure, the, really. the Kings representatives – uh, Andre Kopitar, right? <laughs> Singular. <laughs> I shouldn't have said representatives. Yes. Uh, and really, the question was raised: Who else would it be? And there was some silly comments about Sean Walker. <laughs> and we, I think, last episode we just stopped being silly. You guys, <laughs> stop with that silly stuff. All right. right. But I guess in other novelty game news, Vardy, the Stadium Series is coming up. February 15th and actually today as we're recording this January 25th is the anniversary That's of the right. Dodger Stadium game That's right. which the I first... could not get tickets to I remember <laughs> I was very upset but as the game went along I was like oh good this game sucked the Kings I believe <laughs> lost 3 nothing didn't score a goal and it was pretty boring boring hockey and uh I Do you I'm think the novelty I... of it though like do you do you wish you were there for like the novelty of having I do, yeah. been at an outdoor game, that kind of thing? Or? Yeah, I mean, it was the first one in Southern California, you know. It, right. It, 30 years before that, I think, was it might have been 30 or 20, can't remember, the Caesars Palace game happened. Yeah. And uh, we were too young to fly to Vegas <laughs> at the time. So. Which, by the way, if you remember a few months ago, I randomly found a billboard for by you LAX. Did? the weirdest thing apparently under layers and layers like a time capsule there was still this billboard for 
the Rangers versus Kings outdoor in like 93, 94. When was no, it? it was something this is like uh, 91. 91. So it's, yeah, it was, it was, I think Yari Curry's first season with the Kings and it was preseason. Just so, silly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes. And so the, the Dodger stadium one, yeah, for the novelty of it. And then the fact that on TV, you saw Bob Miller and Vince Scully come out and call the open together. That was pretty sweet. I right. gotta admit. Right. So for those reasons, yes, I do wish I was there, but Game wise, this is the San Jose game, I think, was much better a couple yeah. of years after, or yeah. was it a year after? I can't remember. That was a much better game. And I'm really hoping this one's a good one. I think that environment will be better for this one. The other two being in California, this one being Mile High, baby. Right. And it's going to be in the coldness. Cold. Goddamn right it is. <laughs> super cold. <laughs> Would have been cold you, in friggin' April. Never right. Mind. And, and people talk about like, even indoors playing at that altitude, you feel it like outdoor, you know, 20 degree wind chill and whatnot. It's going to be some short shifts. <laughs> it's going to be some mystery Alaska setup with like heated benches and buckets of hot water. <laughs> and I do wonder like going to events like that, if you do have what they call nosebleeds, how much of it do you really see? Because hockey, yeah, like the Staples Center nosebleeds, I'm like, okay, this is fine. Like, this is cool because I get that bird's eye this. view of the game. And sometimes I prefer sitting up there than, than closer. But I do wonder these big outdoor games, the football stadiums and whatnot, what, what does that feel like? Although yeah. for this game, it might be a good thing if you're far away from the ice bar because <laughs> the jerseys are friggin' atrocious, oh, my man. friend. I don't give a damn how shiny the helmet is on the Kings jersey. It is head to toe not good. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of like the whole ensemble. I I, I think it just looks super random. <laughs> it, it does. Like none of it. I mean, I get. I guess like there was some motivation in designing it, like a, a historic uh, uh, airplane, a warplane, and. You know, so some of the chrome and things like that, fine. And it's cool that it's – the one thing that I did actually like was the was the numbers decal on the helmets because it looks like pilot's wings. Oh, yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I, and I, I was like, great. Yeah. So of the entire thing, I like a, a two-square-inch area that consists of a sticker. It's a decal. Yeah. The rest of it, like the white gloves. I think they're, the gloves are okay. If you could – if you could have made the whole thing work with white gloves – the white gloves are okay, but to me, there's nothing cool about the chrome helmets. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that just looks like a roller hockey ensemble to me, head to toe, right. especially once you throw in chrome helmets, white gloves, a weird – I don't even know what to call that jersey. It is just Angulated. uninspired, boring yeah, I, I jersey. Just, I don't get it. I think there's – you know, if you're going to go with the whole uh, Air Force theme because it's the Air Force Academy and you want to bring in like planes and whatnot, there's so much more you could do with it than than this. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is just – it reeks of meh. It's, a, it's like a shoulder shrug in general and then they're like, oh, crap. Uh, why don't we throw some chrome helmets on? That looks cool. Yeah, that'll fix it. Just it just seemed very random to me. I can't imagine this is going to be a jersey that a lot of people are going to be – really excited about owning and and whatnot maybe true collectors will throw it in their collection yeah but i mean 
for the sake of a collection, not really for the sake oh, of no, like, no. oh, I need that. No, I you mean, know? it's not even, it doesn't even have the potential to come back around and be cool one day. God, no. Like the fish sticks jersey or the yeah. wild wing jersey or the yeah. Burger King jersey. Those did the whole 180 and came back right. around to being badass. I own a Burger King jersey, so I'm, <laughs> I'm quite proud of that. Colorado's jerseys. A little bit better. Slightly. A hair? Yeah. At least like. It's bolder. It's like a bolder choice. I don't know. Like bolder, like bolder car Colorado or see, bolder. You see like, how I do the puns? Uh, it's very steamy. You got to catch damn. it. Uh, but yeah, bolder as in being bold. Yes. Pushing the envelope. I also appreciate that there's a little more symmetry to that one. Like they made it kind of work where the neckline looks like a mountain range and whatnot. Like I, it, it works a little bit better. I don't, I don't see the cohesiveness in the king's jersey design with the colorado jersey design these jerseys they tend to go a little bit hand in hand like you compare it for example to the nashville and the dallas ones that they had Mm -hmm. for their outdoor game Mm -hmm. i thought the dallas uniform was amazing and i thought nashville did a great job in reaching back and using some historical hockey heritage from tennessee to kind of match like that's i that's how you do it in my opinion that was a good overall outdoor experience and the jerseys and everything kind of went with that and then Corey perry you know 30 seconds in tried to knock a man's head off hey man old time hockey so he's got it too that's how he played shinny too so i understand <laughs> but yes the nashville dallas jerseys i, I like both of them yeah i even yeah. like the nashville one and it's kind of simplicity yeah. but yeah. the simplicity here fails in my opinion yeah. so i agree hopefully we'll one day see a king's outdoor jersey that we fully love because the san jose jersey was not great either but i will say it's better than this well it just it just it befuddles me because they have a great uniform history oh yeah the chevy logos even way back gold purple gold or foreign blue whatever you want to call it like it's there and yet yeah. we rarely tap into it and then a few weeks ago they had these purple warm-ups with the lion on the on the chest yeah, which I yeah the was, 98 the 98 season crest the bottom lion that is a great logo that is a great jersey and we've never used that as a primary logo in right. the history of our uniforms why are we sleeping on that i don't understand like i really i'm not sure i don't know I'm the potential's sure. there and i just i always i'm always disappointed in how untapped it goes well, i mean we've always shared our concerns about how unoriginal right just the entire jersey landscape of the nhl is not just what they have but the fact that they don't go out and just try different things and have multiple jerseys a year it's usually three jerseys a year if you're playing an outdoor game you have one cool otherwise it's like the same kind of thing and why not dip into your history like the carolina hurricanes get to do right that they have four jerseys yeah and i don't know how much of this is pushed by the nhl versus pushed by adidas and like their design element but it needs to be better now to be fair the kings will have a fourth jersey this season well call it a fifth jersey because this is technically their fourth jersey Uh the fifth jersey is going to be the chevy logo jersey they will be wearing that they are going to wear that yes we are very happy about that yes very happy i'm not sure of the dates uh it yeah it should be coming up soon right it's coming up soon i believe yeah, yeah. so that's Maybe february as well fantastic do that cool. uh and just improve on these stadium series jerseys in general they're usually hit or miss for every team right some but some of them have been truly truly beautiful
The Wrigley Field ones, especially. The Wrigley's oh, very nice. So nice. Um, sorry to pivot back. We we briefly touched on the All Star Game, but I was. Did you get to watch any of the events yesterday? I saw a little bit. Yeah, I was watching a little bit of um, the what is it? The bleacher shooting. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Ski puck or whatever. Whatever. I mean, I guess yeah, plus one for trying. Yeah. But overall, I don't know. I didn't think it landed very well. Yeah. I, you know, whatever. You can even tell the, the players were kind of like, I think they interviewed Patrick Kane afterwards and he's like, eh, it's, it's kind of gimmicky, but okay. People want us shooting pucks over their heads. I guess we'll do it. And the people are like, no, we did not ask for this. <laughs> not, <laughs> Don't remember yeah. putting this in the suggestion box at all. And even even like the the goalie save streak on the mm, you know yeah. on the breakaway, I was like, okay, they're not even trying. Like these guys are not. It's the same moves over and over again. Like there's no. It lacks the creativity. It lacks the the fun element that I think you're supposed to have when it comes to an all star game. Now is the save streak the one where they're trying to be creative as well on the shootout? But there's there's no. But is it the same contest? Because I didn't watch that. I just saw yeah. I just saw so, a clip of so Thomas Hurdle wearing a Justin Bieber mask. Yeah. Okay. So that is the same one. Okay. But the players get nothing for creativity or shots. You know, like okay. breakaway attempt or any. You know, like they're not graded on anything. It's purely just how many saves in a row can the goalies make, and whoever's got the longest streak wins yeah. it. Yeah. See. Uh, Again, we've talked about this, like bringing guys who aren't actual all-stars to these events. Yeah. Remember there was a time where Jared Stoll was almost automatic on the shootout. He had that one, you know, he went glove side high and it was in every time. Like bring out three, four guys who have the highest shootout percentage and just see who, just make a little contest. Who's going to score the most? Bring Juicy Okunin out of retirement. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Bring him in. Yeah, I thought the women's three on three was cool. That was, I was that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a long game though, and they only had one line change. I could, I honestly, I felt for them. I was getting exhausted for them. They were just going up and down the ice. Yeah, I still contend that it would be much better to just intermingle the rosters for the actual All Star game. I think that would be a lot more fun. But whatever, NHL is not listening to me. Canada USA intermingle or like men women? No, men and women. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With I mean, that. sure, Canada Canada USA too. But like, I think it'd be more fun if you just. You tossed a few women players on the Absolutely, actual NHL man. roster. Absolutely. And then and that'll, you help, know. that'll help their exposure too, which yeah. they desperately need. Women's hockey needs a bigger stage. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you've – I know I have. I'm sure you have at some point just playing pickup hockey or even playing in beer leagues in, at different rinks. I've come across women hockey players on opposite teams or even on, on my team Dude, they'll they can keep up and do better than a lot of men's players that I've I've ever played with. So I don't understand why they wouldn't just incorporate them, especially if it's like a non-hitting exhibition game. It's the perfect time to do it. So I don't know. That was just my thought. I, I appreciate that they're trying to do something and trying to bring more attention to it. But to me, the best way to do that isn't to have them have a separate game. It's just to throw them on some of the actual NHL rosters and let them have a good time. Yeah. I don't I don't disagree with that. Um yeah. the legends portions. Now, if you remember and if you are a faithful subscriber <laughs> and listener, which we know you are, to the Bannerman podcast. I'm sure you recall that we have suggested in the past the implementation of legends into All-Star weekend and mm-hmm. lo and behold the St. Louis Blues 
obviously subscribers, obviously listeners. They implemented some legends. Al McKinnis wheeling in <laughs> with just looking brittle as ever. He, he just sends just a clap bomb for 100 miles per hour that Vardy, I believe, in private, you called shenanigans on. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't believe for a second that that shot was 100.4. I think a lot of people on Twitter were calling that out too. Not to say that it you know, wasn't 80 at least, which is still very impressive, but – Come on, 100.4. 80 is not impressive for Al McInnes. He's 56 years old. I don't care. It's got to be a 90. At least. He was he come was on. literally <laughs> shooting with a branch that he broke off a tree before the event. Yeah, he did come out with that big uh, wooden number from his old yeah. days. That, that's done a lot of damage in the NHL. So yeah, man, you got to go back to it. But uh, you told me, and I and I rewatched it a few times. Yeah, <laughs> I think, <It> does. <laughs> I think you made a believer out of me on that. I'm just one. saying. I'm just saying. Um, and then I thought it was weird. They brought out like Bernie Federico, skates, gloves, give him a stick and everything, and then all he did was give um, Pierangelo a couple warm up passes and then skated off again. I was like, what was the point of that? <laughs> Have him just come and actually take shots on the on the target, which, by the way, I hate. Did you see this digital target thing? It was so Good bad. Good lord. Man. Good lord, man. I I think I know what you're going to say and I'm going to agree with you. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The big one is why. But I believe you mentioned on Twitter that if it doesn't break, if there isn't yes. a breaking element, yes. then it loses so much of its cool factor and I totally agree with you. The sound, the sight of like a plate breaking like yeah, that, that's what made that event kind of cool. Well, and, and, and people are pointing this out that like, okay, say you're one of the people who's sitting behind the net. The whole thing is blocked off from you. You have no idea where that puck just hit. You can't see through this Correct. stupid thing. And after the first shooter, the damn plexiglass broke. Right, and then there's great. even clips on Twitter of, I think it's, it's Huberto shooting. This puck goes like a good foot and a half lower than one of the top car- targets and it's still like digital shatters come on uh, man that remind, you know what that reminds me of when we went to the hall of fame yeah and we did the so they at the hockey hall of fame in toronto they have the accuracy portion and i went up <laughs> and i shot three pucks and i hit all four targets and let me just say I, with those three shots i think one of them were actually yeah. I hit the target the other two i kind of hit the center and both lit up and the guy's like good job man here you go give me a card that said three that said four out of three i was like wow i am a wizard um so that's what it reminded me of immediately i was like that's not a good com- you don't want to make that comparison no. to the pro game no but here we are brett hall rolled in that was pretty cool the way the reveal and stuff that was like yeah i think it was a total accident how cool it came off yeah there's no there's no way the nhl can be that cool yeah where like you know o'reilly's kind of teasing that he doesn't and then he brings and the way the camera captured like brett That's hall right. coming up the <laughs> yeah steps, it was like, I was like this, that, is, this is like wrestling dude this exactly was like pro wrestling exactly. Reveal. i was like oh my god it's sting <laughs> exactly it's sting. <laughs> it was so well done that it had to be an accident but a great idea i mean i think his shot was way off <laughs> but who cares it's not even the point the the contest itself is so ridiculous that you might as well just have ridiculous things like that happen so that's cool like back in the day the going back to the accuracy it wasn't about how quickly 
you could hit four targets. Right. It was about how many pucks it took exactly. for you to hit four targets. Exactly. And I remember there was no time, and the passers were like your conference teammates. I can't remember if this is the same thing for this. Probably is. No, there there was no passers this time around. The what pucks you, were just sitting there. It was just a pile. Yeah. Really. Yeah, it used. To, I agree. The last few years, it was like people were passing to the corners, right? Like there were there was one on either side of the net, and they were passing it up, and you had to like control and shoot. There was none of that. It was just a stack of pucks. You are correct. It's a pile of pucks. That is so disappointing. This whole th- they took one of the best events, one of the classic events of the NHL All Star Game, and they managed to ruin it for no particular reason. Now imagine if they still had the passing, and the passers were like Wayne Gretzky. And Mario Lemieux. Like, why well, that, not? That, that was my problem. They why brought out Federico, and I thought, okay, at least for, what Federico is going to do is he's going to pass it to Peter Angelo, and Peter Angelo is going to say, screw the accuracy. I'm just going to one time every single puck. <laughs> that would have been amazing to me. Class. Yeah, that would have been amazing to me. Instead, Federico came out, gave like three passes, and then skated off again. <laughs> what was the point? Yeah. So things like that. Yeah, back in the day, I remember Ray Bork when he hit four out of four. The way he celebrated, it was it yeah. meant a lot, man. It meant a lot. I don't think anyone celebrated anything in this All-Star game. No. So, but I also understand how ties can happen, and that's why they go to the time. But it should be a tiebreaker. Time it. Yeah. But it should be a tiebreaker. Go four yeah. out of four. Just simple. Or if you can, four out of three, which is <laughs> not Only easy. you, my friend. Only, apparently only, only you, my friend. Um, but yeah. Should we should we talk of the Kings and how they were before this bye week and and all that jazz? Why not? My general feeling is nothing's changed. Like things have changed slightly. <laughs> nothing's changed. But really, really, nothing's really changed. Right? They're still uh, the worst team in the Western Conference. Yes. They are still tied for second worst in the NHL. <laughs> Because ain't nobody touching the pure disaster that is the Detroit Red Wings, right. who have lost the conflagration. Thirty-five <laughs> of fifty-one games, which is man, that's impressive. Uh, so, yeah, you know they've there were a few games there where they were playing well. You know the Tampa game comes to mind where you're like really proud of the boys' effort. Like right. should have won the game probably. You know last minute tying goal and they lose in overtime. Um, but then they have, like, the Philly game, which I think was their last game, which is just not good. Just not a good outing. So, overall, it's just... January's just been crap, It's been not honestly. good. And it, it's, 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 what to, it's what we expected. We've talked about this a lot. We want a competitive game sometimes. You know, walk out of there with your head up high. Be proud of your performance. But ultimately, understand that you're probably going to lose the game. Right. Yeah, and I th- the thing that that's been disappointing to me, like, and you're right, the Tampa game, like, they fought pretty decently. Um, the Florida game that they were pretty much out of yeah. until like the last six minutes, and then they decided to like mount a whatever kind of comeback. I think that's the problem that I'm having is I'm I'm actually noticing maybe since since maybe the Vegas game and maybe through most of January that what used to be like a good strong effort like good offensive chances but just constantly falling on their poor shooting percentage i've noticed a little dip in that as well like i would say the philly game they just look lifeless man they really did yeah and 
And Blake Lazard has been out of the lineup for, I want to say, three games, four games, something like that. And it's you can not that not that I think Blake Lazard is like such a huge impact player, but it seems like when you take him off of the second line, there is no there is no second line. It seems like the entire second line dies and then the entire offense just kind of crumbles, which goes to show you just how thin on talent this team actually is. If if you put a guy like Blake Lazat on the shelf and the whole thing just kind of falls apart, you know, and it's disappointing to see in that respect because I thought they were really making some strides and guys like Campy were, you know, making some advances in their game. But I think it just shows you that the roster's still not there. We've kind of known that because the the actual goal scoring and that type of talent is not there despite the shot production. But this just goes, I I think, provides further evidence in that respect. Oh, no, I agree totally. And it's you could tell it's frustrating. (laughs) You know, it was funny. Uh, It appears that now, finally, Drew Doughty has accepted that the Kings aren't going to win the Stanley Cup this season. (laughs) I don't know if you saw that article. Or at least the headline in the Athletic, where they—I think it was like Drew Doughty frustrated that the team isn't improving faster than he, than he anticipated, something along those lines. And, and he talks about like he's like, yeah, you know, I thought I knew we were gonna rebuild, but like I didn't know we were gonna be like, you know, it was gonna be this bad for two seasons now. And Jeez. I was like, oh, buddy, <laughs> bless your little heart. Yeah, there's a reason you were drafted second overall, friend. We were really bad. Yeah, but. uh it just goes to show you that things <laughs> things have slid into a dark place. That's right. When Drew starts admitting when, that things are bad. Right. When even Drew Doughty can't pull a positive out of this current situation. Right. Uh, but that was kind of interesting to see. I think we, they finally broke him. <laughs> they finally <laughs> broke the unbreakable <laughs> Drew Doughty. So we'll see how he performs yeah. uh, the rest of the season. Not that it's going to matter, honestly. It just yeah. – from day one – it's felt like a throwaway season. There's been glimmers of hope, positives. And we even said, hey, man, they might go on like this 10-game stretch where you're like, look at look at these guys go. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what's happened. Yeah. And, there's, and, and, right and, we, and to... we said savor the flavor because it's not going to happen too often. Right. And now we slid back. Right. Sometimes the bannermen are right about things, Vardy. <laughs> Occasionally. Occasionally. Right about 10-game stretches where they're good – Write about Russian legends that might go out to another team and start playing well. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. God. Sometimes that happens. Look, we said we won't talk about this again. Every time. Like, like we had decided, like, final word, I hope Kovalchuk goes to Montreal and does well. That was, our like, our last word on it. But we lied. We're going to say a few more things about it. First of all, eat crow per 60, low. It's low this season. Yeah. And it's rare for us. Look, we don't right. – that's the thing. Like, we're we're wrong often. So when we're right, we're going to take a few minutes and talk about it. Yeah, and I don't mind being wrong. I don't mind being wrong because that means that I am – you know, I'm giving – I. you have to keep in mind that every thought that we give on this, every opinion that we express has been well thought out. It's not just like straight emotion, screw these guys, trade them all. Like you'll never hear us necessarily say that. But like sometimes when we see something and it just doesn't just doesn't seem right, damn it if we're not going to say something. <laughs> there you go. And this is one of those times. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk since being 
unceremoniously dealt from Los Angeles to <laughs> he Montreal. He wasn't dealt. He wasn't dealt. Oh, yeah, that's right. He I'm was, sorry. He was I'm just, sorry. He was like expunged, expunged from the roster for nothing and then sat there for three weeks doing nothing. Before that, he was healthy scratch for two and a half weeks, but was still practicing. It was like the weirdest freaking sequence of events. And now he's point-a-game player in Montreal after not having played an NHL game for roughly two months and being paid $7 million to go away, essentially. That's uh, four goals, four assists, eight games. Yeah. That's a point-a-game. Yeah. I yeah, think that's a point of game. That's, that's a point of game. And people love him. They they are, love him in Montreal. They're talking about re-signing him. They're talking about how he's like woken up the locker room. He's doing hilarious interviews. He's doing like camera bombs and stuff. He looks like he's having a grand old time just being away from our shit pile right now. <laughs> uh, plus three in eight games for Ilya Kovalchuk. Average ice time, 19 minutes. 36 seconds playing first and second line where his ice time for the kings was 15 25 this season 16 14 last season the lowest average ice time of his entire career with was within the last two seasons with the la kings and across three coaches yes one of whom basically like stapled him to the bench and when he did play him played him like eight minutes just ruined him in my opinion yeah but whatever and and there's a lot of good conversations out there buddy there's a lot of good thoughts out there because now people are seeing this and it's it's turning into not necessarily like oh the king screwed up or whatever because for whatever reason the performance wasn't there in la so the question is why I think that's good that people are having that conversation amongst yeah. fans and pundits because that's an important conversation to have for a team that's rebuilding because there's going to be players like that coming around through the prospect pool, through free agency, through trades. You have to make sure that you're able to maximize the guys that you're getting if you're going to go out and get these guys. Absolutely. And my whole thing is I I love this team. I'll They've been a part of my life since I could remember, and I want them to do well. And I, and the re, and the only way they're they're gonna do well is if everyone in the organization is held accountable, top to bottom, at all times. Right. Ilya Kovalchuk was held accountable for his lack of defensive play. Right. He was held accountable, and he paid the whatever price, the ultimate athlete <laughs> price, being basically eliminated from the team and right. having his name kind of drugged through the mud a little bit. As someone who doesn't show up, who is gutless, effortless, whatever. And I would like the management of this organization to be held accountable for in what, in my opinion, is a complete misuse of a player. Yeah. Whether that be they just didn't understand, whether there was a communication issue, whatever. Figure it out, bro. Figure it out. Because you took – and it was their decision to sign. It was a mutual decision to come to L.A. And – what the Kings did is attack his weaknesses and never play to his strengths. Right. Simple as that. I'm glad the questions are being asked because they have to be asked. You know, same thing with uh, Dominic Kubelik. Ask the questions. What is he, a 20-goal scorer? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Maybe he didn't want to sign with the Kings. Maybe his, his intention the entire time was, I don't want to be in L.A. Great, but ask the question. Right. Let's find out what happened. Right, because there's going to be other guys coming in there. The last thing I want is for there to be this repeat issue with a young player and 
a guy like maybe Kaliev, who's coming in, and again, we've talked about him being primarily a goal scorer, primarily a specialist in shooting the puck and scoring goals, right? Yes. And even more so, he's going to be coming in as a rookie. His defensive game is not going to be where they expect it to be at an NHL level, but I don't want them having the same type of issue with other players where because the player doesn't play like Dustin Brown or Kopitar, so a full 200 foot game, then ergo they're useless to this team that they can't, that we can't balance their strengths and their weaknesses. Cause that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's, it's poor utilization of a player that you knew exactly what you were getting in that player. You knew that you were bringing this guy in because you needed offense, you needed goal scoring, primarily power play. And I, I remember a handful of times where he was actually employed on the point in the power play, where yes. he scored a, majority, scored a majority of his goals. And maybe, maybe, to be completely fair, if you're looking at it and wondering, okay, well, he had ice time with Kopitar, he had ice time up and down the lineup, he had power play time, fine. So what was the issue? Maybe the issue is that the Kings are the wrong team for a guy like Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, and that's fine. But you have again, that's when it comes down to the idea that like, okay, then in that case, management needs to be held accountable because they went out and they signed this guy on a three-year deal thinking that they were going to put him into this roster and make it work. And instead, they walked away from that deal one and a half years in, lost a good amount of money, didn't play this guy and got nothing in trade value for him and now he's scoring a point a game for Montreal for peanuts. They didn't even get a they didn't even get a compensatory pick or anything. There wasn't right. even future considerations placed on it because they gave up on that. They didn't even want to play him in a way where he could play up his value and potentially get traded, which is another thing that we were upset about. I don't mind if you're going to trade him. I don't mind if there's value out there and you realize that look this team's not going anywhere. He's a veteran player, he wants to go play somewhere else and but you got to play the guy. You got to play the guy in a situation where you can still show other teams that he has value to them. That's I think that's the most frustrating thing for it, me is you took agreed. a valuable asset and you did nothing with and it. And you you managed to make him worthless. Right. Which is amazing because anyone who has any a shred a shred of hockey knowledge and understanding when you watch him play you know he's not worthless at the very least if you think he's worthless then you are out of your damn mind and, well, and, and that's the and problem you to, now you need to brush up that's the problem now dude the stuff i hear out of montreal is people just like man i had no idea he was this way I had, i'm like were you even watching the damn games were you watching him actually like when he was trying and the team around him was doing nothing the team around him shooting seven percent on offense, what is he supposed to do if they're not really giving him the puck? And again, that's fine. Kopitar has never been one. We've always talked about this, that Kopitar could be a consistent 80, 90 point player if he had wanted to be throughout most of his career. But he chooses to be a better two way player and he settles in around that 60, 70 point mark because he'd rather focus on the 200 foot game. And that's what won him Selkies and that's what won him Cups all for it. But you can't take a guy. <clears throat> you can't take a guy like that. And then be like, you know, we're going to make him better. We're going to put a guy who's nothing but offense, and then that's going to change it. It's not going to work. You have one guy who plays a particular kind of game, and then you have 18 other guys who play a different type of a game. It's it's not going to meld. It's not going to work out properly. No, it's not. And and it, and I just hope in the future. And this is not. I'm not picking on this player, but I hope in the future when you get a certain player, 
you don't turn you don't try to turn an Ilya Kovalchuk into a Kyle Clifford. Right. You know, it's not just don't do that. Play to a player's strengths, manage your personalities, look at what this guy can do for you, figure out what weapons he has and use them. Right. That's it. That's that's really it. Don't bench a guy and call him a failure because he's not playing Kyle Clifford hockey. Right. Cuz right now, now cuz right now he's not the failure. King's coaching and King's management is clearly the failure based on how he's performing in Montreal. I mean, I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. I don't like to hear that. I actually like the way McClellan's coached the team thus far, and I like some of the moves that Blake has made, especially with the pipeline. But this is a failure on their part, in my opinion. I don't think anyone can disagree with based on how he's how he's performing right now in Montreal. I agree, and it's likewise with Dominic Kubelik. You could slice it any way you want. You couldn't find a way to bridge that gap, whatever the right. gap was between you and this now twenty goal scorer in the NHL. Right. You couldn't bridge the gap now. Are you know they're different situations, but they're similar. Obviously, these are players that worked out elsewhere. Kubalik never got an opportunity to show if he could work out with the Kings, whereas Kovalchuk got the opportunity to show if he could work out, and for whatever all these reasons, which we just stated, he didn't work out. So it's a little different, right. but at the same time, again, just hold them accountable. I believe in what we have right now with Blake and McClellan. I think the rights are way more than the wrongs. Definitely, that you can look point at. Um, so let them keep doing it, but also hopefully learn from mistakes like this, right? And not look like an inept organization by the way you ha- handled a respected veteran. That's right. that's my frustration with this whole right. thing, especially when the Kings have unfortunately already developed a bit of a reputation for like mishandling and mistreating veterans. In my opinion, for whatever their reasons are. Yeah, we're just making poor PR moves. We talked about yeah. this. It just, yeah. you know, not hasn't been a good stretch. No, uh, not a good stretch for the Ontario Reign, already. Our baby boys. We were once, <laughs> once the proud. apple of our eyes, <laughs> uh, and our very special boy Gabe Velarde, who was ticking at a point a game pace, is now down to. 0.5 around yeah mm-hmm. he went through a little bit of a cold stretch which honestly i expect not that i expected but i'm al- almost quietly glad that he kind of slowed down and now yeah. i could really focus on his game because there was a point there where you're like man the game's kind of coming too easy yeah. <laughs> to old game uh he is now 24 games played five goals nine assists 14 points i think he had a very long stretch there without a goal um standings wise i have to pull it up yeah no they they haven't been doing well they've been losing a lot of games i think the last couple months and again that's okay i think this entire season is a growth season for the big club for the rain for management for coaching i think it's a it's a full head-to-toe evaluation of what's right what's wrong and where do we go from here so i don't mind that they're they're losing some games it you know, yeah, not that dropped. not that Gabe Velarde needs more adversity in his life, but <laughs> yeah, they've dropped all the way to fourth in the Pacific. Although they're currently on a four-game point streak, I believe, so that's good. Yeah, they had like an eight-zero or nine-zero win <laughs> a little while back. Yeah, the AHL's wild like that. They'll yeah, th- they've lost big games like that. They've won big games like that. Yeah, it's kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, Sheldon Rempel, I think, finally scored a goal. He hadn't scored in 50 games. Yikes. Say it again, 50 games. That is – that's concerning. That's more than a little adversity. Yeah, that's a slump right there. 
yeah that's a true that's a true yeah. slump buster but yeah um around the nhl since we just spoke about the montreal canadians at great length obviously <laughs> uh gerard gallant Vardy. you want to talk about a questionable move by management yeah gerard fired after a four-game losing streak Including a five-two loss to us, I believe. Yes, but to you know, off a team that no less than like a month ago was first in the Pacific Division, crazy times as usual, and they go out and they hire Pete DeBoer, the coach (laughs) who was uh, part of that ridiculous Game Seven that saw the Golden Knights get eliminated from the playoffs last season. Just kind of very odd and interesting. But my initial reaction was that I really liked the way the the Knights were playing under Gallant their whole time. I know we've bashed the Knights, and I've been kind of hard on them and all this stuff, and there's somewhat of a rivalry. But you can't deny that under that coach, that was a fun, fun hockey team to watch. Very exciting at all times. Love the way they played. And quite honestly, since since the coaching change, it hasn't been a whole lot better for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand the reasoning behind a midseason change when your team has been pretty much near the top of the Pacific through the entire time, like for this entire season. And it leads me to believe that there was maybe some personality differences, perhaps, with with upper management and whatnot. Because Gallant is not a is not a quiet guy. He's says whatever's on his mind and says it roughly if he needs to. And, you know, when they play like crap, he says straight up, we played like crap. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. And that might've been rubbing people the wrong way. Um, but this is apparently the direction they've decided to go with it. I can't imagine that Gerard Gallant is going to be on the unemployment line very long. Um, I think it'd be hilarious if he, if he if he jumps on the Seattle yeah. team and just becomes yeah. the the expansion guru, the if you will. Expansion whisper, Gerard yeah. Gallant. Hey, I mean, if you're Seattle, you'd be all over it, right? As soon as you can. I mean, I, I'll be very honest with you. I I can't. I'm trying to remember the timing of it all, but I think the Knights hired him. It was the same off season that the Kings hired John Stevens. That is correct. And I I really wanted them. We both wanted we both them wanted to. Gallant, yeah. Right. So I, he's a good coach, man. You don't you don't win the Jack Adams with an expansion team. I don't. I, granted, the expansion rules and whatnot. Yes, they ended up getting a pretty good roster out of it. But like, you're a good coach if you can manage to do that. You're yeah. a good coach when you get this much out of your team and they play consistently well. So it leads me to believe that there was more to this than we understand. But I, I can't imagine he's not going to have a job in short order. Here's something crazy. From December 28th to January 4th, the Golden Knights won four straight. <laughs> then from January 7th to January 14th, they lost four straight and they fired the coach. Since Again, then, they've lost to Ottawa, or excuse me, they've beat Ottawa, lost to Montreal, lost to Boston. Again, I don't. I don't it's think weird, the win loss right? record had anything to do with this. I Maybe sincerely not, don't. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know what metric they were looking at. I don't know what specifically they were looking at. But I don't think it was sim- as simple as wins and losses. I don't know if there was issues within 
the locker room and players expressing issues with him, I really don't know. But it seems like there's more to this than just wins and losses, even though that should ultimately be the most important thing. It would have to be because they're currently one point out of first. I mean, it's, what, it's, it's they, like they a, always were. They were a bunch like, up tie, but yeah, with all these losses that we just said, they're still one point out of first place. Yeah, so well, because the Pacific is not good, not good, just like last year, not good. Yeah, and the two, it's like the two seasons the Kings could have won the damn thing. I know, and they I just, know, yeah, they hit the Vancouver currently at fifty-eight points. Then there is a four-way tie. Edmonton, it's, Calgary, Arizona, Vegas, all with 57 points. Then there's the big drop-off to San Jose with 46, Anaheim 43, and your Los Angeles Kings at 41 with a minus 33 goal differential. No longer the worst in the West, Vardy. Is it Anaheim? It is San Jose, my friend. Oh, good. Good. San Jose minus 37, LA minus 33. We without, did it. Without looking, would you care to... <laughs> Would you care to guess the goal differential of the Detroit Red Wings? Minus 62. Close. Minus 90. Holy <laughs> shit. How is that possible? Minus 90. 109 goals for, 199 goals against. Dude. Astonishing you, numbers. You realize it's at the rate that they're going their goal differential is going to be worse or more goals than the actual goals that they've scored in a season. Oh like, yeah. It's getting there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So 20 goals. If yeah. They, if, yeah. Uh, any chance that their goal differential will be a bigger minus than Ilya Kovalchuk's career plus minus by the end of the season. <laughs> I mean, I doubt that because Ilya Kovalchuk is a, well-respected minus player yes. <laughs> and that's not going to change but uh currently man. minus 149 he's eight <laughs> he's getting there he's getting there uh yeah minus 90 man not good second worst is new jersey at minus 47 then come the kings at minus 33 ottawa also at minus 30 not you good know, not yeah. good at all there's the the point spread between the um, 12th place Nashville Predators with 51 points mm-hmm. and the third place Dallas Stars in the Western Conference, just just based on points, is seven. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's pretty so bonkers, bunched right? up. It is it's, so bunched up, man. The West is crazy. Yeah. When you look at the just the straight-up conference, the way it's locked in, there is yeah. – yeah, there are two teams at 58 then four teams at 57. Yeah. That's six teams right there that are separated by nothing. And four of those teams that are bunched at 57 are all Pacific Division teams. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And the 58 is Vancouver, and, he, and they're also Pacific Division. <laughs> and the only teams that are truly out of it is the three-headed monster of California, <laughs> the once, once murderer's row when you, on that uh, West Coast trip. The California trip. The worst trip considered in hockey from like 2011 to 2015, 16. The worst trip in hockey was San Jose, Damn. Anaheim, Los Angeles. In a mere three years, that all changed. My God. Crazy. Detroit's got 28 points. Yeesh. That's bad, man. Yeesh. 35 losses in 51 games. That's that's not even OT losses, ladies and gentlemen. No, Those man, are reg- 35 regulation strange. losses in 51 games. Man, wild. Uh, they have well, t- they have 10 regulation or overtime wins. God, 
I mean, I shouldn't be laughing too hard because the Kings have 13. Yeah, we're not that far off, but you know. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, what do you say, buddy? Are we, you I think, think we covered the NHL pretty well? I think so. I think we've, yeah. got, we've got this covered. Nice little January episode. How not about bad. we dive right into the history of the number 52 for the Los Angeles Kings Let's with this being it. our 52nd episode? 52. Let's do it. I got one right now. I can tell you right okay. now. Okay. Well, how many How many do you think there are? How many number 52s do you think there are? Unfortunately, I think there's going to be more than I want. <laughs> okay. I think there's going to be six number 52s. Congratulations. There's five. Okay, good. You're a big winner. Good, good, good. I mean, still more than I want. But the first one was in 97, 98. Mm-hmm. And the last one was in 2018. Okay? Okay. What's the one that you know? I know Jared Smithson. The babyface assassin. Babyface assassin, Jared Smithson. Cool. No, that Near one. and dear to our hearts. All right, <laughs> so that's one. That was 2003 to 2004. Uh, okay. So there's a 2018. Shit. It's, it's like another rookie, obviously. Yeah. What? Um, two games? No. Lots of games with the Kings, just not with this number. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and really, you should know all of these players. Yeah. Except for maybe one of them. Okay. All of these other ones you know, like the player. Yeah. Is, is Sean Walker? Did he wear 52? No. 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 Okay. That's, a, that's okay. a good try, though. I think he was 61 or something, actually. I might be. There is there is an active player on the Kings yeah. who wore the number fifty two. Yeah. Boy, uh, Anderson Dolan. No. Okay. See, I'm just swinging right now. Just you swinging. Are. You are. Matt Roy. <laughs> but you're you're on the right track though. You're thinking of the right types <laughs> of guys who've who've been around and now are a little more secure in their position. Yeah. Fifty-two. Yeah. Fifty-two. Yeah. Not getting it. Not getting Mike, it. Mike Amadio. Mike Amadio number two. Or fifty-two okay. in two thousand eighteen. So that's okay. So now you got you got three more. The now, first one was ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Now I have a wild card kind of question answer for you. Okay. Was Andre Kopitar's rookie preseason jersey number number fifty-two? No, you no sure? it was not. Yes. Are you I mean, sure, Vardy? Well, I don't know if it was. At least, at least on Hockey Reference, fifty-two is oh, not. No, I know that. Uh, wait, I'm saying his rookie preseason number. Dude, you would know. I would not. I sincerely would not. I would like you to <laughs> confirm that for me. I have no good way of doing that. Fair. I will. I will try to do that myself <laughs> on my spare time. That's right. Uh, okay. Don't waste the people's times with with your inane. Rants. Fine. Uh, can you give me the years on the other people? So 97, 98, uh, across the course of two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was 2008 and 2016. Ooh. And I think 2016 was a uh, placeholder number. Mm. No, maybe. I, no, you know what? I was wrong. No, that's definitely not. <laughs> And you have just messaged me a card <laughs> of Anshay Kopitar wearing the number 52 in the preseason. There it is, baby. You did there, it. Just for that, I think. <laughs> just go put a bow <laughs> just, on this. I'll, I'll tell you, you know what? Just for that, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna give you the one that I think is the hardest, okay. 52. Okay? Okay. 
That was a gentleman um, who wore it in, let's see here, uh, 97, 98 was Jason Morgan. Yep. Don't know J-Mo. <laughs> don't know go. him. So now you got two more. Ugh, 2016. Too hard, man. I'll give you a great hint. Okay. Both the, 28, both the two, 2016 and 2008 players were defensemen. Okay. And they were not with the team for long. Hmm. So it wasn't someone who had it and then changed it. This yeah. was the number that they wore and then they moved on. Yeah. I don't have either. I mean, I could take stupid guesses, but I know, like, it's not. It's not these players. You know what? I apologize. I apologize. One was a defenseman. The other one was not. Ah, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, that doesn't help, but thank you. No, I don't know. I don't know either. Jared okay. Smith is the one I know. All right. And well, and, and and rookie Andre Kopitar preseason. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Cool. Which which does count for something. Um, 2016 was Luke Shen. That's right. That's right. He was so bad. Terrible. He was so bad. And he played on multiple NHL teams after he was really That's bad right, with us. Man. He was so bad. Remember his first game? He was so good. His first game, we were like this guy. What a trade. Le, Le Cavalier and Shen for what? Wheel? Wheel yeah. and a pick or something? Yeah. Great, great trade, Dino. No. No. <laughs> it was nope. just, it was, it was an he okay played, trade. Dude, Maybe he played like a hundred more. No, man, he played like a hundred. Isn't he on Arizona right now or Anaheim? Tampa, 1920. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's played 15 games for them. But he played with Arizona for a couple seasons, then to Anaheim, then to Vancouver, then to so he's he's managed to play like close to two hundred more games after, after the being Kings. terrible with us. Yeah, just to go, just goes to show you what the NHL is like. The eraser, Lucian, <laughs> once nope. once heralded as the next great defensive defenseman. Terrible. Not good. Not good. Traded um, for JVR, and then it all went to hell after that. <laughs> And then the next one was uh, Southern California's own Gabe Gauthier. Dude, I was going to say Gauthier, I swear. I should have said Gauthier. Yeah. I'm, I'm so upset at myself. That's Although right. I might have been thinking of Danny Gauthier. Danny Gauthier, which is why I said I thought both yeah. defensemen, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got I, one Gauthier, right. you got all of them. Really, I wanted to get Jared Smithson and, pre- and, and preseason Andre Kopitar. Yeah, that's really Nailed it, buddy. what Nailed I wanted, it. so I'm happy. Good. With episode 52. <laughs> I think that's a nice bow to put on this bad boy. I think it is. I think it is. Uh, I hope your 2020 is going well, everybody. We're 25 days in. Uh, from a hockey sp- perspective, things certainly can't get any worse. Yeah. So it's going to be all rainbows and butterflies from here on out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for being in touch. Thank you for contacting us. Uh, reviews. I've, we've we've had a couple newer reviews pop up on I'll iTunes. I, yeah. I'll so we really appreciate that, guys. Like the better the ratings we get, the more people listen, the more reviews we get, the better we get. So it all kind of goes cyclic like that. That's right. And more reviews equal just a higher placement on Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. So, right. so that's the kind of support we need. We don't ask for any other kind of support. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that's cool too. Yeah. Trying to get those numbers up. Yeah. But 2020 uh we're looking forward to it we're inching closer to the trade deadline as well i think it's end of february end of february so some 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 of our boys may be needing to pack some of their stuff 
real quick because yeah. uh, yeah. they may be headed out. But until then, and I don't mean till the trade deadline, <laughs> until next time for episode 53, we are the Bannerman. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.